Hey everyone, Pastor Joe here. Welcome to another episode of Bothell Amplified. I am so glad that you are joining us. Uh, welcome from wherever you are listening. Um, today we're going to do something a little different. Uh, our usual rhythm has been that on Mondays we, we release uh, the sermon from the day before uh, so that those who didn't get a chance to tune in to our regular Sunday worship services right now on Facebook Live um, are able to do so. And those who uh, want to hear the sermon again, uh, we've been going through some great series, and we're in the middle of our uh, summer sermon series called Love Your Neighbor. But Mondays is when we would release uh, uh, this episode of Bottle Amplified that's specific to the sermon from the day before. And Thursdays, we've been having some great conversations with uh, friends and colleagues of mine as they share uh, a little bit more about how we can look at the world through a lens of faith. And we have been exploring it from a variety of different angles and, and um, different um, perspectives. We've looked at uh, the conflict in Palestine, Israel. We've looked at um, race and equality and equity and diversity. We've talked about uh, Juneteenth, um, all of those things. Uh, we, we try to approach from a lens of faith and see how our faith impacts uh, the ways that not only do we see the world, but how we live into the world. Well, today uh, we wanted to try something new, and uh, we're going to call this segment uh, uh, In the News with Pastor Joe. In the News with Pastor Joe. And uh, I thought every once in a while I would just come on and, and share some thoughts about things that are happening uh, around the world or around uh, the country or even in the local community, hoping that there's something that you can uh, connect with. We're still going to keep that framework of uh, from a lens of faith. So we're going to look at things uh, uh, that's happening around us from that lens of faith. Uh, we're going to try this out and, and see what happens. Um, today, I, I was thinking about how in the news lately, um, the Catholic Church uh, seems to uh, uh, be headed towards some some uh, conflict with uh, with President Biden and other uh, politicians who may uh, or may not uh, align necessarily uh, with uh, the teachings of the Catholic Church and and the rulings and the stances. Uh, most recently, uh, there's been a push from uh, some of the conservative U.S. bishops uh, to. Uh, withhold communion to create a, a, a rule that uh, those who are opposed to certain uh, uh, values or certain uh, teachings of the Catholic Church, they could be uh, uh, not allowed uh, to uh, receive communion. And, uh, and, and the, you know, the, the, let's just name that, you know, the Catholic Church does tend to have uh, more strict and rigid rules, right? Um, if you uh, find yourself in uh, uh, at Mass or if you're uh, worshiping uh, with uh, a a Catholic parish, um, uh, and you're not Catholic, you'll find that you are actually not invited to the table. And there's rules around that, and there's different understandings. But uh, this one's uh, different, right? It's a little bit particular because uh, the, this withholding of communion would be based on someone's belief, based on someone's uh, understanding of the world. In this case, uh, uh, it seems like uh, President Biden, uh, on his stance on abortion, uh, that seems to be the issue, uh, as you know, uh, President Biden is uh, challenging uh, a traditional church teaching on reproductive choice and reproductive health. Uh, um, I don't know if I would go as far as to say he is uh, pro-choice, but it sounds like uh, based on um, the understanding of who he is, he has put he is pushing uh, the conversation more towards a reproductive choice and and the woman's uh, right to to choose what to do with her body. And I think that that is something um, that I find myself aligned with him on. And 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 uh, you know that's not going to be the topic of conversation today. Uh, maybe we'll we'll go into that a little bit later at, a, at another time. But this idea of 
of uh, coming to the table and, and who's invited and who's not. I want to go a couple different routes on this and then let's see how and where we end up. Um, one of the things uh, that I was thinking about as I was reading the story um, uh, online, I was reading uh, the articles about it, um, was thinking back to uh, back in the days of John Wesley, right? John Wesley, who is accredited uh, to be the founder of the Methodist movement, uh, an Anglican priest in England. Uh, he and his brother Charles uh, were were sent to, uh, or well, well, went into theology and, and teaching, and, and eventually uh, John became a priest. Um, they go through this this interesting journey uh, to get to where they are. Their father's a priest as well. And, and, and during a, a certain period of their lives, uh, they end up going to the colonies uh, from England. They end up in Georgia. And Charles uh, comes to Georgia as uh, the secretary to the governor of Georgia. And, and John uh, is here uh, to do some evangelism, to be a missionary. Uh, and it starts off as to be a missionary to the indigenous peoples here, uh, to be a missionary to the native folk who are already on this land, who are stewarding this land, and 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 John um, goes to be a missionary to them in the colonies, and 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 that does not seem to work out, right? I think there's already a lot of tension between uh, the native peoples, uh, the indigenous people of of the uh, Georgia area in the in that region, and the the white settlers, the white colonists, um, and there's already tension, and so for some reason that doesn't work out, and for many reasons, and and John ends up uh, leaving that kind of ministry to take on the role of uh, uh, um, town uh, parish uh, priest. And so he uh, oversees uh, this flock, oversees this community, and he falls in love. Uh, he falls in love with this uh, a woman named uh, Sophia Hopke, and 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 this she, uh, you know, and and he falls in love with her. And the problem is that she doesn't love him back. She uh, uh, ends up marrying someone else, and the way that the story goes is that uh, when he finds out about this, uh, he's so enraged that he ends up uh, refusing to serve her communion the next time they hold service. That Sunday morning, and so as she's coming up, the, I'm 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 picturing a a town church, you know, a, a, a you know one of those uh, romanticized versions of a of a church uh, in the old uh, old days. Um, I'm picturing pews on both sides in the center aisle, and and the folks lined up in the aisle, making their way to the front. And I see, I imagine uh, John Wesley seeing this woman who is now married to another man, um, and and seeing her and him going, uh, how much rage, how much. Uh, hate, how much, I don't know, uh, sadness, uh, those emotions, how much did that overcome him to the point where he refused her service of communion? You know, that's a story that we tell um, where he then, uh, uh, as legend goes, escapes in the middle of the night because the next day uh, up to, I think, 10 charges were were going to be brought up against him, right? Uh, Among many things, uh, this one of refusing to serve communion to Ms. Hopke. So this isn't the first time that we are um, uh, in the midst of controversy over who uh, should uh, be allowed to take communion and not. I think uh, many of us, uh, hopefully all of us, can agree that in the case of John Wesley and Sophia Hofke, that that was not right, right? The person who was charged to be uh, overseeing a community to uh, claim the sacredness of each person to uh, help disciple um, uh, people on their journeys to 
uh, be in deeper relationship with God, uh, to refuse a communion to someone in your community because they marry someone else, um, I, I think we can all agree wrong. But it gets complicated more as we explore how the role of communion plays in today. Because if you remember back uh, almost a year and a half ago, March of 2020, many churches here in America, uh, in the United States and around the world, frankly, but uh, but specifically in the circles that I uh, have friends and networks in, uh, we were having a similar discussion about the role of communion because we were in the midst of a global pandemic. Right, we were uh, learning about the COVID nineteen coronavirus. We were uh, learning the ways that it spreads. We were uh, uh, physically isolated, uh, distanced from one another. Church buildings were closed. We here at Bothell, we uh, decided to close our doors on March eighth, um, uh, and so we've been hosting um, uh, uh, we've been hosting uh, virtual gatherings ever since. Uh, uh, we are uh, moving towards more in person things outdoors here during the summer and. And we're going to be moving towards indoor, uh, in-building gatherings uh, starting in September, if all goes well. But, you know, back uh, a year and a half ago, uh, or close to a year and a half ago, we were, uh, we were in a stage uh, of our lives where we did not know what to expect, and we didn't know how to handle church. How do we do church, right? Uh, for me, uh, and I'm drawing back to uh, a professor of mine named uh, uh, Paul Roram, uh, who was a professor of my church history course back at uh, Princeton Theological Seminary. Uh, when I was a student there, uh, he defined church as biblical communities of worship gathered and sent. And I, I, I still hold on to that definition. Biblical communities, meaning we are people who are uh, living out the continued stories of Scripture as inspired by the Spirit of worship, meaning that we continue to have relationship with God. We pray and we lament and we sing and we praise. Uh, so biblical communities of worship and then gathered and sent. Right, And so in a time when we could not gather, when it was not safe to gather, in fact, in a time when it was harming one another to gather, what does it mean to be church? And so many churches, we, we, we pivoted. Like, like many churches, we pivoted. Uh, we, we moved all of our uh, engagements to be virtual engagements. We, we shifted the way that we did uh, Sunday service. Uh, we invited folks to join us on Facebook Live or on our webpage. We uh, held small groups through uh, Zoom and other uh, virtual gathering platforms. We held all of our administrative work on, uh, on Zoom. We, we had staff meetings and council meetings and committee meetings and ministry planning meetings. We, we, we didn't stop the work that we did, right? We didn't stop living into our purpose of becoming Christ in the community, but we had to shift the way that we do it. And communion was one of those things that we were wrestling with, right? Communion is about the people gathered, sharing in this meal, the abundance of God's grace freely given through these simple elements, these basic elements of bread and juice. And we said, is it still communion if we're not taking it in community? Is it still communion to invite people to have bread and juice or a bagel and coffee or, or pancakes and syrup or, or, or whatever it might be? Is it still communion if they're doing it on their own from their living rooms tuning in.
And I think for me, uh, we we did do communion. We 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 continue to do communion here in the United Methodist Church at Bothell. At least we uh, in our in our uh, virtual services we do it once a month, the first Sunday of month. Uh, when we were gathered in person, we uh, at one of our services, our eight o'clock uh, service, we did it every week. But um, virtually, we we continue to uh, partake and participate in communion because we trusted that though we are not physically together, that God's love and God's spirit uh, goes bigger than uh, the walls that we sometimes try to confine the spirit in. And so though we are far apart, though we are not physically together, we trust that God's spirit surrounds us and unites us and connects us. And so we said, yes, if we are gathered in community, trusting that the Spirit is bigger than the four walls that enclose this building and the many buildings that we claim as church. If the Spirit is bigger than the building, then it does mean that we can participate and partake in communion together. And we continue that for even if you are watching later on, you are involved, embedded, you are included in the community gathered so that you too can trust that the elements you have before you are blessed, are sacred, and not only that, you are of sacred worth, that God's grace is abundant, God's love is abundant, God's love is not contained but we express a table for uh, open um, uh, for all to be present at. It's amazing to think about that, though, that there are times when we might try to keep people out. And I wonder, what does that say about humanity? And in turn, what does that say about God? Can we trust in a God that isn't present when we choose for God not to be? When we set the agenda when we set the criteria for who gets to receive grace, where who gets to uh, experience the abundance of grace and love. So I wonder how we move forward, right? I remember uh, thinking back to Princeton for for a moment. Uh, I was I hadn't been accepted yet. Uh, this was uh, let me think uh, spring of uh, 2013 maybe, um, and I, I hadn't been accepted into uh, seminary. I was still uh, in my work. I was doing work with the General Board of Church and Society of the United Methodist Church. It's the social justice branch uh, of the United Methodist Church. I worked out of uh, New York City uh, across the street from the UN, and I was doing advocacy on uh, Capitol Hill uh, in Washington D.C. But uh, you know. I, I felt this call to go into ministry, and I'll share more about that at a later time, but I I felt God leading me towards this idea of doing community building, community healing work, and I experienced that call through local communities, so I felt I got to go to seminary. So I'm sitting in uh, an admission officer's uh, office on the campus of Princeton Theological Seminary. I I get to campus. uh, I'm in there for my interview. I've just experienced, you know, an amazing uh, intro to New Testament class that morning. We have lunch with a student body get to get to meet with some of the students and then uh, and then I go in for my interview and I'm nervous I'm wearing my tie I'm trying to like uh, be uh, all professional and and really uh, getting them to like me and uh, you know break the ice a little bit hi you know I'm Joe it's great to meet you and they you know are asking me questions about myself and about my call story about uh, why I wanted to go to seminary what I hope to do with it and then I got stumped by this question because uh, the mission officer she asks me she goes so uh, what what field of theology do you want to uh, specialize in 
and I, I, I mean, I'm an ignorant, you know, dude at the time, and I, I, I'm still wrestling with a lot of the words and and trying to uh, fit myself in these in these boxes. And so I don't know. I said I, the the right one, <laughs> and 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 she looks at me and she goes, ah, "Well, okay, so here's what we got. We got history. We got we got um, a scripture, or biblical theology. We got uh, pastoral care, and we got practical theology." And, I, and she goes, "Do you want me to explain what those are?" I said, "Yes, please." And she she goes on to talk about each one, and she goes, "I think though that." you're going to end up in practical theology. And I said, how do you know? And she said, because you want to see how faith is lived out. And I think, I wonder if that's not all of us, right? All of us who are on this journey of faith, uh, all of us who are on this journey to have deeper relationship with God and with one another, we do it, I hope, and I pray, because we desire uh, to live our lives in a way that is worthy of a bigger cause, right? We, throughout history, throughout, the, the, throughout time, uh, it has been humanity's struggles to find meaning in life, to have a relationship with a divine being, a supreme being, to to find meaning in what our purpose is in the world. And I think we are continuing the legacy of that. And each one of us is trying to develop and articulate a way to lead our lives, in particular through the lens of faith that makes an impact, that makes a difference. And so let me leave you with this, right? Like, I think this idea of practical theology, I will never claim to know the right or wrong answer. Um, I will never claim to know that there is one way to understand God, that, that the way that I understand God or the way that I choose to understand God is the right way. Um, I can share my experiences of how God has been alive and well and moving in me and how I have been inspired by the Holy Spirit towards different things, but I don't claim for it to be right. And I hope that you take that to heart too. Because as we people of faith live in this world, as we see the brokenness and pain and hurt that is around us in this world, as we navigate our own seasons of grief and lament and sorrow, as well as joy and celebration in all of those ways, how do we experience all that through this lens of faith? That the ways that we understand God is not through a theoretical, but a practical understanding of who God is. And so for me, God is one of abundance, an abundance of love, an abundance of grace. And you, whoever you are, wherever you are listening from, I hope you know and you truly believe that you are loved so much by this God of abundance and you're loved by your community, you're loved by me. And together we make up this beloved community, we, each of us of sacred worth, each of us who God knows by name, who God does not deny relationship with, the God who provides the sustenance to continue on day after day, know that you are welcome, know that you belong, know that you are loved.
Y'all, I, I hope that uh, this, this time has been uh, meaningful, that, that, uh, that you can resonate and wrestle with some. I would love uh, if you would drop a comment or, or you can email me, uh, Pastor Joe at BothellUMC.org. I'd love to hear your thoughts on this and continue this conversation going as we all are on this journey together. And so um, I hope you enjoyed this episode of Bothell Amplified. Make sure you do like or follow wherever you're listening on whichever app or platform that you're listening on um, and, and, and stick around uh, next week we will come back as we uh, share the next uh, uh, sermon on our Love Your Neighbor series it's going to be a good one as we talk about uh, homelessness and houselessness and the ways that we can love our neighbors uh, through a shelter and, and so um, I hope you have a beautiful and wonderful weekend um, and I will talk to you soon <laughs> <laughs>